So today we're going to continue our conversation about being thankful and thankfulness. And today we want to talk about fruit of generosity. And I want to start off by saying that it made me think a lot about, uh, you know, of course, Christmas time. And, and I thought about this message that made me go back to uh, Christmas Carol, right? Uh, the Charles Dickens uh, book and, of course, the movies that we watch and see and and so we see the, the spirit of, of Christmas present is one of my favorites, and I'll explain that. But one of my favorite movies with the Christmas Carol, and don't laugh at me, okay? It's the Muppet Christmas Carol. <laughs> Thank you. Let, let, yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I appreciate that because I love that movie. It's hilarious. And uh, there's so many different one-liners. I love movies that have a lot of good one-liners. I just love that. And it's just, it's just one of those fun things I just get a kick out of and laugh a lot with. But Gonzo and, and Rizzo, right, the rat, uh, their conversation, their, them talking in the, in the, through the different parts of the movie just make me laugh, and it's just so funny. But going to this Ghost of Christmas present, I want to share that because, you know, I like the way it's written. I like the, the, the concept, right? It makes me think about Jesus and the difference that God has made in our lives. You know, take an old crotchety, angry person and, you know, just selfless and self-centered. And when Jesus came into my life, he changed that heart that I had. I'm sure he did the same for you, that he changed you and made you this new creation, that you're different, that, you're, that your aspect, the way you look at life is different. And one of the things of that ghost of Christmas present that was so neat and so unique was when he showed up, he had all this big feast that was lying before him. And it was just showing the generosity, the goodwill towards others. Living in the moment, living in the present, right? Just living in this moment. What good could I do with my life? What, what good things could I bring? How I could provide so much good things in somebody else's life in this time that I'm given right now? And that's really the story of that, 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 you know, in that story, Scrooge is given an opportunity to change and live in the present, live in the now, not worry about the future so much, not worry about the past so much, but be in the present and do some good with what he has been given. And that's the thing I think what God is telling us, really, is that when we come to faith and we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, that we've been given grace and we've been given this mercy and we've been forgiven for all that we've done. And that God wants us to be generous with the time that he's given us and with the resources and things that he's given us in our life to do something good with that. Not to hold it all for ourselves and, and just take care of our needs, but be a difference maker. Be somebody that changes the world through our goodwill and our generosity towards others. The definition of generosity is showing a readiness to give more. Sorry, showing a readiness to give more of something, as in money. Or and I like this part. It adds time, more money or time than is strictly necessary or expected. And so, as we think about that definition, it's it's going above what's expected. It's doing something with our time or our money that can do good, that can really make an impact. And really, it's not, what I'm talking about today is really having an attitude change. It's really having that heart to want to be generous. And the fruit of that, when you are generous, when you show generosity, it can make a difference in people's lives. It can do something that furthers the gospel message of Jesus Christ. And all it is is an act of faith, believing that we can provide something for people to do some good that they see our God, 
They see Jesus at work in our hearts and our lives. So I want to look at this story. It's in 2 Corinthians, and really chapter 8 and chapter 9 cover this together. So it's, it's going to be continued, but I'm going to skip a little bit here and there. But we're going to look at eight, uh, chapter 8, verse 1 through 3 first. And I, let me give you some backstory to this. See, Paul was ministering to all these churches traveling, and there was a great need in the church of Jerusalem. Now, we don't know exactly what was happening, but they were struggling. And so people were starting to collect money and give to Paul to take back to the people of Jerusalem so that they could thrive, so they could continue to do the ministry that was happening there in Jerusalem. And so we're going to hear about these churches in Macedonia that they were making a big deposit. They were giving of what they had to take back to the church of Jerusalem so that they could be encouraged, so they could be provided for, that they could know that they're wanting to be a blessing to the churches of Jerusalem. And so here in verse 1, it says this. And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches in the midst of the very uh, severe trials. So they were going through some hard things. These churches in Macedonia were, were struggling. We don't know what the struggle was, but they were struggling. It says severely, uh, severe trial. They were overflowing with joy. Their extreme poverty welled up in them in rich generosity. So it's like they were struggling. They were going through things, but they felt like this huge sense that, hey, I want to make a difference. I want to do something to help these other churches. We understand going through trials. We understand going through poverty, and we want to be a blessing. We want to be a blessing to these other churches. And going on, it says, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in them rich generosity for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability entirely on their own and we're going to get to this in a second but God loves when we give cheerfully when we give things out of an expectation that we don't need anything back but we just want to be a blessing to others it's really having the heart to say that I want, to, I want to do something that makes a difference. I want to be a part of something that's doing something to help somebody else out. And so I think that's very important for us to recognize that when we trust the Lord, God is able to give, work through us to make a difference in other people's lives. And what is interesting here, it says entirely on their own. In other words, they weren't forced to give. They weren't uh, connived. They weren't tricked into giving. They weren't told they had to give. But it's because of their great heart of wanting to do good. They wanted to be generous. And so as we continue on, we even see this further. In verse 4, it says, They urgently, I like this, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege that they saw this was a privilege. This was an opportunity. This was, this was an opportunity to do some good. The privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. It's almost like Paul saying, hey, I know you guys are having a hard time. I know it's struggling for you guys. You guys aren't required to give. You guys don't need to give. But they're like, no, we want to give. We want to do this. We're eager. We want to do this. They urgently pleaded for us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. And they excelled, or sorry, they exceeded our expectations. They gave themselves first of all to the Lord, and then by the will of God also to us. So I think this is very important as we think about being generous, that we need to keep these two things in mind. So I want to encourage you to write this on the side, if you take the notes in the Bible app, to write this down. But I think it's very, very important as we give, that first of all, we're giving to the Lord first. 
that we're looking to the Lord for guidance in this, that we should use some wisdom as we give and are we are generous, we should look to Jesus and see what he wants us to do. Because what does it say after that? It says, and God's will. So then by the will of God also to us. So he, there, he's saying that people are looking to Jesus first, and then they're looking at God's will and saying, is this how I should operate? Is this how I should be? Is this something I should be a part of or not? And I think it's very important for us to be wise in our giving. When we're generous and we show generosity, I think God wants us to use some wisdom. But he, first of all, wants us to look to him and seek his face and seek his will and how we should operate, how we should handle our finances or our time or our service, any of that. We should be looking to Jesus and then we should be seeking his will and what, how he wants us to operate or what he wants us to do. I think a lot of times... And we'll get to this. Let me, let me just back up. Let's just keep on reading because I'll get to that here in a second. So in verse 6, he says, So we urge Titus, just as he had earlier made a beginning, to bring also to completion this act of grace on your part. But since you excel in everything, in faith, in speech, in knowledge, in complete earnestness, and in the love we have kindled in you, see that you also excel in this grace of giving. See, it's grace. In other words, you're not, you know, when we, when we are called to be generous people, God, God wants us to have some grace with that. In other words, it's not one of those things like, you know, we talked about tithing last week. Yeah, there, there's kind of a set number there that, that you should give your tithe, but we're talking about being beyond that, being generous with your money, giving to those outside things that God is leading you to give that God is not going to, you know, God, God's not saying there's a certain formula that you need to, okay, you give your tithe and now you need to give 5% to this and, and, and 8% to that. No, there's grace here. And then not the beauty of this is that there's grace here. That God is saying, I want you to have this come out of your heart and that you have a heart for this, that you have a passion for this, that you want to make a difference in other people's lives, that you want to do some good with the things that God has blessed you with, that you want to do something good for somebody else, that you're looking for those opportunities to be a blessing to somebody else. So continuing on, it says in verse 6 here, it says, Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give. Let me stop there for a second because I think this is a very important thing. What does it say here? It says decide in your heart what you should give. And so this is the, this is the thing. As you're being generous and you want to be generous, whatever you decide in your heart, this is between you and God, and you decided in your heart, I should give this money. Say it's, say it's $5, right? Whatever amount it is, it doesn't really matter. Or you say, I want to give so much time to the church. I want to dedicate some of my time to the church. And this is, I'm going to give the church five hours of my time each week doing something for the church, volunteering in some aspect of the church to help the mission of the church to go forward. Whatever you decide, and this is the part of grace, right? Whatever you decide in your heart, God wants you to honor that. God wants you to respect that because if you don't respect what God is, what you have decided in your heart to do, you're not only breaking something from God and, and, and kind of being a liar in a way, you're, you're, you're not even holding yourself up to that standard. 
You're lying to yourself because you're thinking you're doing good. But if you say, I'm going to give five hours to the church or I'm going to give this amount to this ministry and you don't do it, your own self convicted you. Your own self condemned you in a way because you broke what was in your heart. You see what I'm saying? There's this grace that God's giving you to say, I want you to look at your heart, what you're willing to do. And that's what you need to be based off of. Because we'll continue on here. It says, not reluctantly or under compulsion. You know, you know, thankful, we're not, and I would, would not want to be a part of that. If we were forcing our people to give, that'd be terrible. We want people to be followers of Christ first. We want people to follow Jesus. But this is what he's saying. He says, not reluctantly or under compulsion, like they feel guilty or they feel like they, they don't really want to. It's like, God, I, don't, I want to hold on to my money. I don't, want to, I don't want to give this. I want to hold on to my time. I don't want to give that away. You know, I'm too busy. I'm too this. God doesn't want us to do things reluctantly. But God, what does it say here? It says, coming up, it says, for God loves a cheerful giver. God would rather have you give out of the right heart and the right attitude than to give out of reluctancy or stubbornness. God wants a cheerful giver because why? Because that's where it all begins, right? This, this, this begins, our attitudes, our thoughts begin in here, right? We can have this resistance to things sometimes. It's our attitudes that come up sometimes against what God wants for us. And sometimes we have to make sure that our attitudes are right. That we're not giving to pat ourselves on the back. That we're not giving to say, look what I did. I gave this mom. That's not what God wants. God wants you to give out of a generous heart because you are so thankful for his leadership and his salvation and the relationship you have with God and that you want to make a difference that you give because you care, because you value it. And when you give out of that right heart and that right attitude, you're going to become a great giver. You're going to be very generous because you value. Just like the people of Macedonia, these churches that were there, they were given because they received blessings from God. And they knew it wasn't just about money. It wasn't just about time. It wasn't just about anything. They wanted to make a difference for these other churches because they valued what God was doing in their life. And they wanted to be a part of something great. They wanted to be a part of the ministry that was happening. They wanted to be a part of what was going on. And it's something that we should always think about. Continuing on, it says, And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that all time, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. So what is this saying? This is not, I'm not preaching a, a prosperity gospel here, but I am telling you this, and I think this is what Paul means. When you give, God's going to continue to give you things to give away. And I think that that is true, that, that as God blesses us, that, and as I give generously, God's going to keep that coming so that I can continue to bless others. It's not prosperity. It's just because there may be times where I have money to give, and there may be times I have time to give, and there may be times that I can do an act of service to help somebody else out. I can give something I have, maybe a property, or maybe a, something I own, and say, here, take this. Whatever I give, God will always take care of us. we got to trust that. You know, this is the thing that sometimes we, we get afraid of, right? If I don't hold on to these things, I'll, I'll lose out. 
We serve a God that is constantly giving and still blessing us. We need to trust that whatever we give, that God will take care of us. And again, it's about using wisdom and thinking about this as we pray about it, as we seek God's face, that we seek his will for our life. It's not to go carelessly and just give everything away. Maybe God will call you to that. Maybe God will call you to be a missionary somewhere. And he's saying, I want you to go and sell everything you have. Maybe that's what God will say. But again, you need to make that decision. It's not forced upon it. It shouldn't be reluctantly given. And, and we see missionaries do that, say, willing, I'm willing to go and give everything I have to go on a mission to serve the Lord. And continuing on, Paul refers to this verse in Psalms 112, verse 9. As it is written, they freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. You know, I think about this verse, and I think about the monuments that we have. And I think about the different things that we have in our country, right? And in my lifetime, there have been several projects already in my lifetime that they have these restoration projects because whether it's, uh, you know, uh, shoot, I can't think of the, the name of the, Mount Rushmore. Thank you. Some, you know, God, thank you, God. Um, so, you know, you have these monuments, like, like somebody's nose is starting to fall off. Or, you know, you, you have these stories of these different monuments that we see or having these restoration projects to restore this monument because there's some memory that they want to hold on to. And I'm not saying that's totally bad, but what, what is he saying here? What, what is this verse saying? It's saying when you give in faith and you trust God with what you have and you give that generously, that you're building something that's going to last forever. It may not be a monument that you can see, but you're building something and doing something that's building a kingdom forever. It endures. It lasts. You're not going to have to worry about that being decayed. It's like Parkersburg has that city park and they have that, that fountain. And even, even in my lifetime, I think it's been worked on like three or four times. I'm, I know I'm getting old, but, you know, that's crazy, right? So, so what is better? I'm not saying not to do those projects, but I will say this. When you give for God and you give generously the things that God is doing, those things last forever. Because it's God at work. Man, those things are temporary. They will always be temporary. Look at the Roman Empire. I mean, there's the things that you go and see of the Roman Empire now, I mean, they try to restore that. If they didn't restore some of those things, those things would just fall apart on their own. Many of them have. All the things that mankind does can just fade quickly. But when you do something trusting God with it, his spirit, what he does is for eternity. And I think that's why Paul shared this. He said they scatter their gifts to the poor, looking at ways that they can make a difference, looking at the ways that we can do the most good. You know, just like the, the boxes that we send out for Christmas, we're praying and, and praying and asking God, use this simple gift, a box, to be an avenue, a chance, an opportunity. It's not a guarantee, but an opportunity for someone else to know Jesus, right? And so all the things we do, I mean, that's one of the things we do for Upward. I mean, when we do Upward flag football, we're getting ready to do Upward basketball here soon. You know, we're, we're hoping and praying for the opportunity and the chance to show these kids Jesus. Not only the kids, but the families, the parents. We've had some come to our church, and thank, thank you so much for being here. If that Upward was a way and avenue, 
Maybe it was vacation Bible school. We do these things and we join together as a church to make these things happen, to create opportunities for the gospel to be shared. We join together knowing that the difference we make for Jesus lasts. Moving into chapter 2, or chapter 9. Well, I was already there, sorry. (laughs) Chapter 9, verse 10, it says this, Now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed. And so this is a perpetual thing. God will bless me. In other words, when I give something, I, I truly believe God will continue to allow me to have things to give away. It may not be the thing I gave away. But it'll be something in return. There's been many times where I thought something was going to cost something. And and God led me to still give to something. And it was like, what do I do? This is going to be this much. And yet I'm giving this away. And I could use that resource to give to this. And there's been so many times where I've given away. And and that price of that, maybe that, that, uh, you know, item or that thing that I needed to do was a lot less than I thought. What I anticipated. And God, I truly believe that was that God at work. That was God working it out for me. Did it mean I had more money at the end? No, but God was blessing me and taking care of me and providing the needs at the time. And it continues on. It says, uh, we'll also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge your harvest of your righteousness. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. I'm sure you have and I have. I know people that are just so generous. You know what? Those people that are so, I don't want to say gifted, but just have that heart. They're just givers. It seems like they never run out. They just continue to give. Isn't that so encouraging when you see people like that that are just, they're just givers. And they seem like it just, I don't know how it works for them, you know, in some ways. But that's where I have to have faith that God can do the same for me. That God can, God can take care of my needs as I give. And again, I'm not saying to just blindly just toss everything aside and just say, I'm just going to, I'm going to give my whole thing to this. But look to God for guidance and direction and use wisdom. But whatever you decide in your heart, that's what you need to do. Because when you do that, you're honoring God and yourself. You're honoring both. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. And so he's saying, he's telling the Corinthian church, so this conversation is toward the Corinthian church. He's letting them know what the Macedonian churches are doing. He's giving them an opportunity for them to pray about it, to think about what they should do. And he's just saying, hey, here's an opportunity. And the joy of this, if you partner with this, if you think about this, if you pray about it, and as you give generously, we can give God thanks. We can praise God for what he's doing. And so he's not saying the praise goes to me or the praise goes to the people that listen to me and and follow me. The praise goes to God. God is the one that we should be praising. Verse 12, it says this. It says, This service that you perform is not only supplying the needs of the Lord's people, but also overflowing in many expressions of thanks to God. It's about trusting God. You see what I'm saying? When we give to the Lord, 
and we're given and we're generous to others around us, it's a chance and opportunity for us to, th- to focus on God. It's a chance and opportunity for us to realize what God's doing. Just like the Macedonian churches, they're being shared. The story of them giving out of their poverty, out of their struggles, out of their trial, that story is living on and it's speaking. It's, it's resonating. And people are giving thanks. When the church of Jerusalem receives these funds, they're going to hear about Macedonia. And it's not going to be just a praise about, oh, those are some really great people. Those are fantastic people. No, it's going to be, thank God that he's working in hearts and minds of people like the people of Macedonia. Praise the Lord that he's faithful and true and that we're not alone in this. We have others that are joining our fight. We are being supported, and it's God's grace and his mercy that he's working through the people of these churches to support our ministry. Verse 14, it says, And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace that God has given you. And in the last verse, Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. I don't know about you, but when I've been when I have been generous, because I'll be honest, sometimes it's hard, isn't it? Just trying to be honest. It's not always easy being generous and trying to be, be helpful to people. You know, sometimes you, you worry about yourself a lot, don't you? But when you are generous, isn't it like one of the greatest gifts? It's an indescribable gift. When, you, when you're able to, to put faith in that and trust in that and, and you step out in that and you're generous to somebody, it's always more rewarding, isn't it? When you know you're a part of something that you're doing for God, it's like a great feeling. It's like an indescribable feeling. It's an indescribable gift. It's a joy when you do, when you do that, when you know you did something that made an impact. I'm going to sh- not really shift gears, but I'm going to kind of challenge our thinking a little bit in this. First uh, Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 through 3. And I think this speaks to what I've just talked about. But I also want to go a little deeper with this. In First Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 2 and 3, it says this. We always thank God for you all, for all of you, and continually mention you in our prayers. We remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to break this passage apart a little bit and focus on it a little bit. So the first one I want to look at is faith produces work. Again, like I mentioned last week, faith is what saves us, right? It's our faith and belief. It's not by works. We're not saved by our works. All of our deeds, those aren't what's important really in the sense that it has to be accompanied by faith. Faith is what's important. It's my belief now, what's interesting is that when you have faith, it produces work. There's things we're going to do in response to that faith. There's things that I'm going to be doing differently in my life because of my faith. In other words, when you have the right perspective of Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and you keep that perspective, then your life looks different. The things you pursue, the things you go after, the things I try to do with my life are different because my faith produces some works. So by faith, it produces works. And, and what I mean by this is, is things that our faith can do. 
that when you have faith, it can, you know, as, as Brooke was talking about, the faith of a mustard seed, right? It's by that faith that we have in a higher power that God is able to do the amazing part of that, but it's that faith that we put in, into practice that produces things. And so as I think about this story, I don't know if I'll read it, but of course I'll give you a summary, but it's John chapter 6, verse 7 through 9. So as it's up on the screen, you can read it, but the, you know, the basis of this story is feeding the 5,000, right? There was 5,000 people uh, over that, if you count the women and the children. Uh, typically, they would just count the men. So there was this group of people, and then uh, Jesus asked, uh, you know, what, how are we going to feed them? Or what are we going to buy to feed these people? And Philip's like, a year's wages wouldn't feed these people. You know, it's just crazy. And then uh, not even have enough to have one bite. And then, of course, Andrew uh, somehow hears about this boy. And he brings this boy that has his lunch or has some food with him. And so he takes what this boy has, what this boy has offered to use to God, and this food becomes fed for all these people. In other words, when we act in faith, it demonstrates what God is able to do. And by us having faith, what work that the little boy just offered what he had was able to be used for God to use to do something great. With Upward, going back to Upwards this past season, a little girl named uh, Scarlett McCartney. And she would, after practice or games sometimes, would pick a flower and bring it to me and just say, here you go. I, wanted to be, I want you to have this. And I thought that after she did it the second time, I kind of took more notice. I kind of brushed it off the first time. And the second time she did it, it, it really meant something. And then I saw her do it to my, one of my assistant coaches, Adam. He had helped me out and, and he brought her, she brought him a flower too. Now did she uh, take care of that flower? Did she make sure that flower was, uh, you, know, how, you know, watered and had all the nutrients, had all the sunlight to make sure that flower grew? No, she didn't. But she had faith. She believed that this flower would bring some joy or encouragement to me. See, faith isn't as big a deal as we make it. Faith is just trusting and stepping out and letting God do the rest. Her work was picking the flower and then bringing it to me as just a reminder that she cared about me. When we act in faith and we demonstrate the love that we have for God and we try to impact others, we don't worry about all the ramifications of it. Like the one with the two mics, right? She gave everything that she had, but she gave it in faith, trusting that God could use that fraction of a penny for his glory. Let's not worry about the details. And no, let's not, you know, one of the things I think we begrudge generosity is like, I don't have enough, so... You know, I'm not going to give because it really wouldn't make a difference. What a terrible attitude. And that is not an operation of faith because whatever you have to give, God can take that gift and use it for his good. We just have to step out in faith, believing, trusting that God is at work. He's able to do something more than what we can do with whatever we have. Whatever we have. 
So you may sit there and think, I only have this much time to give. I only have this much money to give. Let, let yourself be generous with that and see what God does with it. See how God uses that to do his most good. And then we go into love prompts labor. Love prompts labor. And you can maybe say, uh, prom- sorry, prompts. Uh, yeah, prompts. Love prompts labor. So in other words, you know, as we look at the difference between work and labor, I mean, you, you just have to ask a, a woman that's been pregnant, right? <laughs> you know, somebody that's went through pregnancy has had a, you know, it's, it's you know, for us guys, it's, it seems pretty easy, but for women, it's a lot harder, right? I know, I know I've had some chuckles at times from my wife's expense of her seeing to get it out of a chair or couch or bed, you know, at times. Labor is uh, prompted by love, you know what I mean? When you labor over something, when you work, like, like I shared this at the first service, you work, you know, like I do chores at home sometimes, not all the time, maybe, but maybe, maybe I should do more often. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, when you do a chore, do you go down and like do it super like, like you, when you vacuum the floor, do you just vacuum or do you go like every inch of the carpet? And maybe some people do. <laughs> But you go every inch of that carpet and you make sure every little corner, every little spot is vacuumed. That's labor, right? That is labor. Work is just doing it and getting it done and you feel like, oh, I did a good job, I got it done. Labor is going beyond that and it's a love that you have for it and you want to pursue that. You want to go after that. You want to, you want to show that that means a lot to you. And that's what we see with this woman who anoints Jesus' feet, in Luke chapter 7, verse 37 through 38, and this is one of my favorite stories. A woman in the town who lived a sinful life learned that Jesus was eating at, at the Pharisee's house, so she came with an alabaster jar of perfume. As she stood behind him at his feet weeping, she began to weep, wet his feet with her tears. Then she wiped them with her hair, kissed them, and poured perfume on them. When the Pharisees who lived uh, had it, who, when the Pharisee who had invited him in saw this, he said to himself, "If this man were a prophet, he would know who was touching him and what kind of woman she was or is. That she is a sinner." And then later on, this is what it says: Jesus responds to Simon in talking about this this woman. It says in verse 44, it says, Then he turned toward the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I love that part because there's so many people we don't see, right? We see him, but we don't really see him. So many people that we come in contact with in this life that we don't really look at. But continuing on in verse uh, 44 there, it says, I came into your house. You did not give me any water for my feet, but she wet my feet with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You did not give me a kiss, but this woman from the time I entered has not stopped kissing my feet. You did not put oil on my head, but she poured perfume on my feet. As I was thinking about this, it made me think about the five love languages. And so Gary Chapman wrote a book, if you haven't heard it, it's, it's a book about love. and It's about the love languages that we experience that we show and receive and and so I want to share this because I think about this story and how she was showing Jesus almost every aspect of love quality time is one of those languages 
And her attention was totally focused on Jesus. She didn't care who was in the room. She didn't care who else was there. She was focused on the idea that she wanted to spend time with Jesus. Acts of service. She took her, you know, she was drying his feet with her hair. That was an act of service. Physical touch. She kissed his feet. And this may be a stretch, but as she was crying, as she was weeping, to me that was almost a words of affirmation, letting her, letting Jesus know how much she cared for him, how much she loved him. And perfume was gifts. This alabaster jar was expensive perfume, and she was giving Jesus this gift. And Jesus was saying, basically, Simon, I came into your house. I didn't receive any of these things. I didn't really. Re- I didn't receive love from you. I didn't receive care. I didn't. I didn't feel a warmth of excitement that I was coming into your place. I felt judged. I felt felt ridiculed. I felt like I was coming into a territory that was hostile towards me. But this woman, she came in with an attitude of love. And she wanted me to know that she loved me. She respected me. She valued me. Basically, he was throwing it back at Simon to say, if you love me, then it should speak. In other words, our love should be that fuel that pushes us over the edge to where we are promoted to labor. We're promoted to work. We're promoted not just to do a little bit of work, but it's a labor of love. If, if, if men were required to have kids, we would, our population would probably be half the size it is now, right? Because women love to have children. Hopefully, I'd assume so. But you are willing to go through that hard, difficult thing for the joy of showing love to a child, to bring life into the world. When we have love in our heart, it should be a labor. It should be, it promotes us to want to go through the struggles that we face and the hardships that we'll face because we care about people. The last one here, hope inspires endurance. Hope inspires endurance. I love that because it's so true. I think about this and I think about how Jesus met people's needs, right? He looked at people and he saw their needs and he would meet their needs oftentimes and it would bring hope to them. And I know when we give and we're generous, it brings hope to people. It brings, it brings endurance. It, it allows people to endure what they're going through because they know they're not alone or they have help along the way. The story I'd want to share is this, the Samaritan story. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but that last part, verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and he, when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring oil on it and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said. And when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. So in this story of the Good Samaritan, this Samaritan was not just someone that was coming in to take care of this person and just bandaging his wounds. I, I, you know, I thought about that. Like, 
you know, he could have just bandaged his wounds and sent him on his way, like, or just left. You know, like, I took care of your wounds. I, I, I made sure you weren't bleeding to death, you know. I was a good EMT there for a second, and now I'm done. My job's over. I'm going to go home. But what does he do? He goes beyond, right? He is so generous that he goes beyond that initial thing where he could have said, okay, you're good. He takes him on his donkey. He makes sure he has a place to stay so he can rest up, so he can be provided for. He gives money to make sure that this can occur. And what else does he say? He even goes beyond and says, whatever debt is owed, I'll take care of it. That's generous. And the, the reason why we talk about this Samaritan story here, and it's so significant, is because this is somebody that was an outcast as a Samaritan, a half-breed, part Jew, part something else. And they, they, the Jewish people looked down on these people. And the Samaritan was the one that showed compassion. The Samaritan was the one that showed generosity. That he was the one that really cared. As I think about how people have given me hope, how people have demonstrated the willingness to meet my needs to give me hope. About 10 years ago, maybe a little longer, me and my wife, we'd gone through some difficulties. We'd left a church and kind of was a church for a period of time that really stripped us from, you know, having finances. And not that the church was bad, it was just, it was just a terrible situation. You know, a lot of good people, just bad situation that we were dealing with. It was really hard. And I, I, I thank God so much for allowing me to be here at Porterfield. Because not only was it a great ministry opportunity, it was an opportunity for me to heal. But, you know, we were still recovering from that. We were kind of getting closer to being done. But I was working here, but I was also working a part-time job. So there were nights that I wasn't home very much. I was working on Fridays and Saturdays, usually there at the shelter, the Gusky shelter. Uh, I worked there for 10 years. And, uh, you know, I worked here and I worked there. And it was really a hard time. And there was one around Christmas time, we had our van that we depended on broke down. I didn't know where the money was going to come from. I felt like I was trying to do all I could and it just wasn't going to work out. And there was a person in the church that heard about it. Not only paid for our van to be fixed, but also bought presents for our kids. That gave me hope. And I'm sure you've been there. I'm sure you've been there at some point in your life where you needed some hope. Isn't it a joyous thing? And I'm sure, I don't know who that person is that did that, but I'm sure that person is thankful that they did. Why? Because now they're a part of my ministry. They're a part of my story. Because of them being blessing on my family and me, I've been able to bless others. See how that keeps going? And again, the hope that we can provide people, how we meet people's needs, how we encourage people through the things that we do, it can really speak of what God's doing. So there's so many things and opportunities, and there's been times where I've been the one that gives. And God has blessed me beyond measure because I've seen the hope that's transformed that person's life because I was willing to be generous. And I was willing to help out in faith. And there's not always times where I feel like I have everything I need to, to, to give away. But every time I do give, when I determine that in my heart and I'm faithful with that, God always blesses me. 
Like I said before, and I just want to repeat this, it may not be the way I think, but God will still bless me. God will still take care of me. And God is gracious with us. God is so gracious with us. And I'm so blessed to be one of the pastors here at Porterfield and that this church is a church of bringing hope to people. There's so many people in this church that have been blessed by other people's generosity in times of need. And what I want to encourage us in is keep doing that good work. Keep doing that because you're doing these things. You're showing faith. You're showing hope. And you're showing love. As we close here, this is what we need to look to. Colossians chapter 1, verse 4 through 6, it says this. It says, because we have heard of your faith in Jesus Christ. We have heard of your faith and the love you have for all God's people and the faith and love that springs from hope stored up for you in heaven and about which you have already heard in the true message of the gospel. So here Paul again is referring to this faith, this hope, this love that we should all carry with us, that we should all have in our hearts and how this does good in people's lives. How meeting people's needs brings hope and how having faith in Christ is being heard about. And the love that we show to others is there. That has come, in verse 6, that has come to you in the same way the gospel is bearing fruit, growing throughout the whole world, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and truly understand God's grace. Again, we live in this time of grace of opportunity. We have a chance to make the most good with what we have if we come back to where I started. It's about this present moment. We can all say I'll be a giver later on when I have more success or when I'm given more money, but let's be generous now with our time and our, our finances and, and, the, and just the, the kindness that we can show other people. Let, let's take opportunities now. It's like when you have funerals, you always think about how good that person was, but did you tell them in their lifetime? If you want to be generous, now's the time to be generous. Now's the time to look for opportunities to, to make a difference in somebody's life. And, and the amount doesn't matter as much as the attitude in the heart. Seriously. What matters more is the intentionality. It's what springs up out of you. It's that willingness to look at ways that you can do the most good. Last scripture I want, and this brings us to this place of 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 13. And Paul says this, and now remember, uh, and now these things remain. So he's saying everything else is going to fade away. Everything else is going to be gone. Everything else is going to be, you know, it doesn't really matter. But these things, three things remain. Your faith, your hope, and your love. And he's saying the greatest thing of all those things goes back to the two commandments. Love. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So when I live my life, am I showing faith? Am I demonstrating hope? Am I showing love? And the greatest of these is love. So many times we, we are concerned about the outward or the things that we look, or the things that people see, God is always about what's in here. 
And this is what drives us. This is what steers us. This is our will. And does your will match up with God's? Do you have faith? Do you have hope? And are you demonstrating love? Let's pray. Lord, as we close this time, we just pray and ask that you would just give us wisdom. Lord, I love this passage that we've walked through today about being good discerners, to understand you are the one that's in charge of the storehouse. And as we give generously, you always provide something else. And, and you will even trust us with more. I believe that, that you will give us the things to be a blessing to others. But Lord, you want us to look to you first. You want us to seek your will. And you want us to give what we've determined in our heart to give and not break that. So Lord, help us to be faithful. Help us to demonstrate our faith by our actions, by our works. It doesn't save us, but it demonstrates who we put our faith in. And that is you. And Lord, help us to look for opportunities to give people hope. I thank you so much. Not just the story about my van and and how it was a great Christmas because somebody gave, but there's been time after time people have given me at times when I needed it. I even think about a dryer that we had to have replaced this year and how you just put it on people's hearts to give me and they didn't know what was going on, but they gave generously and how that took care of us. That we didn't have to dip in our savings because somebody gave. Lord, help us look for those opportunities where we can give people hope, that we can encourage each other, not just with our finances, but also with our time, with our you know, our, our resources that we may have that we could bless others. And finally, Lord, help us to love. Help us to show your love. Help us to speak your love. There's so many people in the world that don't know what true love is. We only know it because of your son, Jesus. He showed us true love. He showed us a love that surpasses all things because he laid down his life for each one of us. As I think about him washing the disciples' feet, I think about him going as low as he could to serve man. Not because man deserved it, but because his faithfulness to us. He was willing to give us hope and he wanted to show us love. Thank you so much for everything you do. Help us to be generous. In your wonderful name I pray, Jesus. Amen.